Hi, Damien Marcus from 100 Not Out here. MP. Yes, Damo. We all know the importance of having a diary, but who wants a boring old day planner? Not me. Enter the journey of me. Ta-da! The incredible eight-month wellness journal designed especially for wellness peeps like you. Yes, Damo, this beautiful eight-month wellness guide is filled with questions, planners, exercises, reflective notes, and more. Endorsed by the Up For A Chat girls and loved the world over, the journey of me is a must-have if you're ready to live your best life for life. To purchase your very own journey of me and receive a free set of inspirational postcards, simply enter the code COUCH at www.wellandnew.com. That's www.w-e-l-l-i-n-e-u-x.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Leah Follett. Welcome to A Quirky Journey. Join us as we share our family's journeys to good health. You'll find plenty of inspiration, tips and recipe ideas as well as stories from everyday people who've struggled and overcome health problems and diet challenges in their own families. I'm Jo Whitten, author of the blog and book Quirky Cooking and today I have with me another GAPS mum, a much more experienced and very amazing GAPS mum, Nicole Azapati. Hi Nicole. Hi Jo, thanks for having me along. Oh, I'm really excited about hearing your whole story. Um, Nicole is the author of The Alchemy Cookbook which is a GAPS cookbook which has the most gorgeous photos and mm. very good recipes too. I've been drooling over it, having a look. Oh, great. Um, yeah, I'm dying to try some. Lovely. And I've asked Nicole to come and chat about her story and how this way of eating has helped her family and also about the amazing recipes in her book because I know with a lot of GAPS mums, we get very stuck in a rut, don't we? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And it's, God, what do I, what do I cook next yeah, situation? I mean, you don't want to live on chicken and pumpkin soup for your whole life. So. No, no, absolutely. And you don't have to. This you is the totally thing about gaps, isn't it? it? It can be overwhelming to start with, but... <clears throat> You know, we were when looking through the Gaps book and seeing some of the recipes at the at the back. Mm-hmm. I did start to recognise some of the things that you know looked very familiar in my own um, family's repertoire. Like, yep. for example, the chicken soup with the lemon. It's something my grandmother always used to make. Call it. She's a yeah, it's delicious. And um, my grandmother, Grandma Claire, yep. used to make us avgolemono, which is what? a Greek um, version of this soup. Yeah. Um, and basically, so I started looking at it and thinking, oh my God, a lot of this is just European Traditional food. Foods. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I just had to think back to all of my favorites when I was young. Yeah. Um, the things that my grandmother's made for me and my great grandmother made for me. Mm-hmm. And I started to collect um, some of those recipes, try them out at home, and to my delight and relief I found that the kids you know the whole family was happy with them oh that's awesome what's your tradition is it Greek partly Greek I've got I'm a bit complicated um, <laughs> yeah exactly it's called being um, human <laughs> yes exactly Joe. but my parents were born in Egypt my mum wow. is Maltese French my dad is Maltese Greek and wow. I was born in Box Hill in Melbourne so <laughs> I love it <laughs> Nothing very exotic for me, but yeah, the rest of the family can make some pretty big exotic claims. <laughs> and so they 
were raised with um so what kind of foods did you mainly eat growing up well growing up we had a lot of greek food mm-hmm. um and a lot of french food but nice. you know these these soups casseroles um were very much part of my life mm. and um and Fermented foods, look, I have to say, I don't remember my family making any of those, Mm -hmm. but cooking from scratch was really very much, it came naturally, it came easily. Mm. When you've got that Greek blood, you're expected from a young age to be in the kitchen learning. Um, You you host big events. Mm -hmm. You you get very good at feeding lots of people a lot. (laughs) I often think I should have been Greek or Italian. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you're expert in doing the same thing. Oh, that's how my family was exactly the same. We have Hungarian. Maybe that's sort of similar. Uh-huh. It was, it was a kind of a European thing. Yeah, yeah. and German and Mar- so, American Indian. <laughs> wow, that's another exotic mix too. Yeah, but um, definitely when it's such a benefit to children if they are raised with traditional ways of cooking and that's the sad thing is our generation and the one after it you know our kids a lot of them haven't learnt anything like that because mum's working dad's working everybody's busy nobody has time to be in the kitchen cooking much and come home and everyone's exhausted grab dinner on the way home you know and it's it's sad but I think we are coming back to a lot of our Western society is starting to realise the benefits of traditional cooking mm. and, and look, trying to you know, come back. Maybe we can't, you know, go the whole way back. Yeah. We've, you know, we've still got work, we've still got various can't things, but on the weekend we can cook, you know. Yep. And like I, at first, like most people who, you know, have children who have extra needs, um, you know, you're exhausted. You're yeah. exhausted and you don't feel like spending hours in the kitchen Mm. um that's what frightens a lot of people who have children that are already very demanding because of allergies or you know bad health or whatever they're already finding life stressful to think of doing gaps is a very scary thing it can be too much for some people and I do agree like we had to wait until we were ready and the Mm. whole family could be you know you bring the whole family with you yes definitely Often the mum leads the way. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, you, I spent about a year researching mm. um, gaps and trying to think about how we could do it, yeah. learning about it, cooking for myself and my partner in that way before mm-hmm. we rolled it out to our family. Was it the same for you? Um, I had been listening you know, to talk about gaps and I hadn't really looked into it completely. I knew vaguely what it was, but it wasn't until my son got sick and then I talked to a couple of different friends and they said, yep, you need to do gaps or paleo AIP or something to Mm. heal the gut. Mm. Um, And I just jumped straight in, which is the way I do things. (laughs) Mm, mm. Yeah, well, we were kind of fortunate in that um, Stevie Rose, our daughter, was – quite young when we started GAP. She was two years old. So, mm. it you know, it she's a little bit simpler. Well, it, it does because there's not, you know, there's not the school, yeah. you know, factors. There's not all these other things and outside influences. You're pretty mm. much just you and your kids at home and, yeah. you know, you go out for outings and all the rest. Um, and she had already had a really whole food kind of palate. It's not mm. like 
Um, it Same was that me. much of a change. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was fortunate. Yes. Um, but there was still a lot to learn. There was That's still so heaps um, for me to, yeah, to get on top of. Um, but yeah, we, we found that looking back, mm-hmm. GAPS is so much easier mm. and lo- all that cooking is so much easier than um, what we were dealing with through yeah. the night and all yeah. day long. You know, Stevie was, I should probably give you a bit of background. Yeah, give, us, okay, give, give us the story. What happened? Yeah. Well, Stevie was born by cesarean, emergency cesarean um, section and, you know, that that was a life, life-saving, life-changing operation. So I'm very grateful that we were able to have that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and what we found, though, is that my cesarean wound became very infected. Uh, I had I needed to be readmitted into hospital with five days of intravenous antibiotics and then two weeks of oral antibiotics. Mm, so, like yeah, oh, what? That was I you too? I didn't have cesareans, but I had retained placenta with two babies and, and in back in hospital, heaps of antibiotics pumped in. For, you know, yeah. 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 Which, you know, I'm sure you'll agree. Thank you, antibiotics. Yes. Thank you, medical <laughs> world. Um, you now say, we have to just, and then yeah. we just have to deal with what happens next. <laughs> exactly. And what did happen next, which I didn't know about, was that it affected Stevie, affected me, obviously. But mm. when you're a new mum, you don't even think about yourself, which, no. you know, is something we can talk about later. Yeah. Anyway, my attention went directly to Stevie. I've, I pretty much forgot about myself for now. But after that first breastfeed, um, after the intravenous antibiotics went in stevie just started screaming and she just seemed to never stop her tongue was white her poos were green she was really unsettled she seemed in pain uh you know and we struggle on as you do with the first baby projectile vomits um and i was you know i was a wreck i was more and more exhausted things just didn't get better and what i now realize i could have done um, is there a lot of things I could have done at home to mm. just help with my recovery from our recovery from all those antibiotics? Um, so what did you do to help with the recovery? Well, look, time went on and Stevie just seemed to not improve. She was, you know, she definitely had some happy moments, but she never slept. She just never seemed to sleep. Her eyes were wide open Um she she was constipated, you know, from very early age. She seemed in pain. Mm. Um, I spent hours and hours and hours on a Fitball settling this little baby. Wow. Um, bouncing up and down, that seemed to help. Um, but then by 11 months, we we went with the protocol of, you know, when to introduce eggs into um, a baby's diet and she got hives straight away. So, mm. You know, we went straight to our GP who suspected um, an allergy. Mm -hmm. But, of course, through this time, what were my foods? You know, there were lots of of eggs, lots of of nut-based foods and a lot of tahini on roasted veggies and things for Mm -hmm. dinner. So when she was finally diagnosed severe allergies to egg, nut and sesame, I realised, oh, geez, that explains why she probably had tummy aches. All this time. Why she sleep? Because that's part of yeah. um, severe allergy too. Mm. Um, so anyway, she became fifty percent better. I took those things out of my my breastfeeding diet, yeah. and wow, we had a different child. She wow. was 
much, much better. And that was a bit of a hallelujah moment. But then she kind of, it was still about 50% that wasn't right. Mm -hmm. And she still, you know, still couldn't sleep and still um, just seemed really unsettled. Constipation was still a big factor for her. And then I, I happened upon the Royal Prince Alfred Hospital diet. Do you know of, yeah. of that one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, they, those um, researchers have identified that there are certain um, food chemicals that can bother, um, can bother our systems, um, naturally occurring food chemicals. So they're chemicals such as salicylates, amines, um, glutamates, so then working with our local dietitian, we started to do a food diary and she would be getting hives around her mouth if she had avocado, mm. broccoli, miso soup, you know, lots okay. of very healthy foods Stevie was reacting to. And while I could see physiological symptoms happening, like the hives around her mouth, I, I noticed that her behaviour was also affected. Yeah. So this would often cause a lot of screaming um, and, yeah, just general upset, yeah. wakefulness, take those foods out, and we again, she was improved. Yeah. But I don't know, have you, ever, have you ever looked into this for yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um, my okay. sister has been on that sort of diet and when we first started with all the allergy type stuff, I bought the cookbook and used some of it. I didn't do it properly mm. because it was more a uh, – dairy and gluten thing for me Mm. yeah sure well you know we found that there was we could see a distinct connection Mm. to the foods stevie ate and her behaviors and uh, we took those foods out and she would be infinitely calmer Mm. happier sleep better but she never quite reached what they call baseline she never quite seemed completely happy and settled and plus, you know, it was driving me mad. It was mm. like trying to hit a moving target. Yep. You just, it's not sustainable Guessing. for us. <laughs> Guessing and, you know, all these great foods that all of a sudden, you know, how do you live? How do you do it? Yeah. And are you uh, supposed to do that for your rest of your life? You know, that's the thing. Well, where, where to from there? Once you know what yeah. those foods are that bother you, a lot of people are stuck with, well, this is it. Mm. But we realised, importantly, that you're not stuck with that. That just, you know, that just can highlight that there is, uh, there is some, some work to be done with the mm-hmm. digestion. But we found with gaps that can totally, totally heal. Mm. Um, and so, anyway, at at its worst, at about 14 months, um, Stevie really declined, and we saw. Um, but new behaviours start to kick in. So she started bashing her head on the ground. You know, it wouldn't matter if it was cement on the mm. pavement um, and it was daily wow. and these meltdowns escalated. So, you know, it was like it would would go for 40 minutes. You could almost time it, 40 wow. minutes, and you, she could not be soothed. Yeah. Um, and then we would have sort of an hour's break and – then we'd roll into another meltdown about something. And wow. it was about exhausting. Things. It was I was beside myself, you know. And how did she sleep at night? She did she would wake up from a dead sleep, screaming like My daughter like, did that too at two years oh, old and I could not understand I didn't I knew nothing. 
Yeah. No, no one ever gave me any answers for that. It was so scary. It's terrible. And you think, you, you know, do and you kind of after that you settle them you lie in bed for the next two hours thinking what's wrong what do I do (laughs) I do this little person yeah you know of course probably like you um I presume that okay night terrors was that sort of you but then you know night terror at nine o'clock at night two hours into sleep then night terror again at 11 o'clock at night then Mm. night terror at three o'clock in the morning You were just thinking, hang on, you know, something is wrong. And the night terrors went on and on and on. It wasn't just a phase. Couple that with during the day. Couple that with, mummy, I can't, you know, not the seatbelt, it's too tight. Not these clothes, I can't stand, you know. There was one dress she could wear. Um, No, the plates, I need need the chicken on the pink plate. I need the beans on the green plate. I can't touch. Um, yeah. I only want to watch Dirt Girl, one show, yeah. you know, we just stopped going out basically. Yeah. It was just, I was too exhausted. She, it was too much for her. Yeah. It was just too much for her. Um, Did she have any diagnosis like, you know, Asperger's, autism, anything like that or no? No, but of course I was thinking, what is this, you know, this, this is, I didn't know anything about autism, Um, but little by little, I started to hear that night screaming is part of autism. You know, just many people, it is just, that's what it comes with. Mm. And, um, you know, this particular nature of the food and, um, you know, the sensorial um, challenges that these and these people face I started and the head banging yes you know that's what I was thinking it's like whoa I thought head banging and autism it was would be something like a a person would just line themselves up against a wall or and then repeatedly bang their heads I Mm. saw what Stevie was doing she would just throw her head back once and it wouldn't matter it's like she didn't feel it yeah but um oh that's awful yeah it was really really horrible but I have to say it was the most frightening yeah. and horrible experience I've ever known in my entire life. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so, of course, I start ringing up autism hotlines. I was encouraged to get a diagnosis for Stevie. But I'd also heard that, you know, being two years old, because she could walk, she could talk, she had all of her, her motor skills, everything else was firing off. And well, eye contact was all. Yeah, she had eye contact. She's also really loving, and mm-hmm. um, but she had started saying, "Don't look at me, don't mm-hmm. talk to me," um, and particularly to her dad. Hmm. Um, you know, it was she was all right with me, and you know, and sometimes I've heard that um, autistic people will kind of pre- prefer one parent mm-hmm. to another. Um, and at, at its worst, she was just vaguing out. I, I remember being at the beach with her and she was just gone. And I was saying to her, Stevie, Stevie, you know, calling out to her like this. And I just couldn't reach her. And this was happening more and more frequently, which, um, again, another person has, um, another parent has described these as sometimes being, um, they can be mini seizures. Oh. So, look, you know. Do we, what do we know about this case? It's a mother's observations. Yeah. We 
take her um, to get diagnosed because she was two years old. And I'd heard that um, they don't diagnose until the child is three. Mm. So in the meantime, I'd heard, I'd been watching Four Corners. I just happened to flick on Four Corners and I saw this program, Kerry O'Brien um, introduced a program called the Autism Enigma, mm-hmm. where it described a mother who had identified a gut um, problem with her son. Mm-hmm. And this son had had an overgrowth of clostridia. And she just basically started ringing around and got some experts together and happened to convince a top biologist um, to start to work with her on identifying how to how to manage the clostridia. Yeah. And they were able to use antibiotics to kill off the clostridia. And she's got footage of this child who was toe walking, who couldn't be toilet trained, who was nonverbal, no eye contact too. Wow. You know, once the antibiotics kicked in, the clostridia was brought back into line. This child would be toilet trained. Um, it was a completely different person. Mm. And so I started to think, what is going on with the gut? You know, what is this business that the gut is responsible for? Mm. And meanwhile, I'd heard, you know, 80% of the immune system is found in the gut wall. Yeah. And that was crucial for me. I did not know that before. Mm. My pediatric allergist, you know, while he was thorough, did a fantastic job, did not tell me that. Yeah. yeah. But... You know, that's something I needed to know yeah. to start to begin to do my own research. And I've I've got a background in journalism. I've been a journalist for 14 years. Okay. So research became, you know, it came easily to me. And yeah. I kind of did what that mum did yeah. from the autism enigma. I just started ringing people and interviewing people and doing what you're doing now with your podcast. Yeah. Just, you know, whether it be parents or um, doctors. I, I, a biologist, I spoke to GPs, I spoke to, you know, all manner of specialists mm-hmm. um, and started asking them for the sake of Stevie but, you know, also for the sake of anyone who might yeah. need to know stuff. Yeah. Mm. So then um, basically it led us to GAPS because, mm-hmm. frankly, there was nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> No, yep. exhausted everything, and I, I remember falling, falling into my husband basically and saying, "I don't know, I don't know how else to help her. I've tried everything, yeah. James. I just, I, I we're we're at the end of the road. Yeah, I think she's autistic. Um, I think we need to go in and and get help for her because yeah. I don't know. I just don't know how to parent her in a way that you know she needs." And basically a friend had said, have you heard of GAPS? And, you know, and I looked at it and it seemed pretty meaty and, it, mm-hmm. um, you know, it had eggs full of eggs and full of nuts. And so I thought, well, that we can't do that. And it's high in glutamates and yeah. Stevie Rose is really sensitive to all these histamines. I remember trying to give her a drop of sauerkraut water and she just, you know, she just – the meltdowns just escalated like I'd never seen. Um, So I just thought I can't, we can't do this. It's just we don't even know, which is why, you know, I was talking about I researched it for a year. Mm. It would be such a difficult thing, thinking how in the world could you do it? How do we do it? You know, I kept hearing about all these amazing 
amazing healing stories from other mothers and particularly one who a child she'd done gaps for two years and the child lost his peanut allergy and it was just a freedom that I would have loved to have given Stevie if possible Mm -hmm. and um and so basically at this point you give Stevie green beans to eat and green beans were in the potty she was you know she just wasn't digesting and um we just didn't know what else to do we went through three three pediatricians um you know all sorts of complementary therapies we just tried you know Mm -hmm. we tried whatever we could but gaps ended up being the thing that just took her to where she is today Basically, she where is, is she now? What's she like? She is the most healthy, vibrant, gorgeous little girl. I mean, she was always a gorgeous girl and she was always very loved. Yeah. Um, but she had challenges and now she eats eggs. She's no longer allergic to eggs. Yeah. She's had two tests for sesame and she's negative to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when we started, we died. Uh, Sorry, we um, tested her for her peanut allergy at 11 months initially. She was right up there close to 10 millimetres, which is when they say, right, you've got to have an EpiPen. Um, Now, like a year ago, you only test annually for allergies. A year ago, she was two millimetres for peanut allergy. So, you know, we just really can't help but think, thank you, GAPS. Yeah. So how did you start with all these things that she couldn't have? I had a, I did yeah. interview um, Mary Kelly the other day and yeah. her story is kind of similar with all the gigantic amounts of allergies and probably even more. Totally. And, and, that, and starting with one drop of um, broth in the formula and building it up. That was amazing. Yeah, and this is – it's similar but, okay. you know – things first the yeah. most important thing I tell anyone who you know who wants to hear this is um you know please with severe allergies only test with your pediatric allergist yeah you know risk test is different out that's Natasha is talking about something completely different actually uh, someone did ask about that I think on my page so if you could explain that because a lot of people won't even know what you mean about wrist test oh okay yeah well in the gaps protocol um dr natasha camel mcbride talks about um if you've got a sensitivity to a certain food then you can put a little bit of that food on your wrist and um just check it out leave it um sometimes overnight Mm -hmm. and check it out in the morning if you've got any kind of um, reaction to it it can be an indication of how you'll how you'll cope with it digestively yeah now the, what I'm saying is um she's talking about an intolerance yeah not um, an allergy a severe allergy she uses the word words allergy but she's not talking about anaphylaxis yeah. so if you've been diagnosed with anaphylaxis often you can be touch allergic Sometimes you can, you know, just having mm. a cracked egg in your kitchen yeah. can set you off or peanuts in a plane, those sorts of mm. things, you know, just breathe, breathe in, yeah. um, cause anaphylaxis. So please, um, this is not what we're talking about. No. 
Only, only do testing with uh, under the instruction of your paediatric allergist um, or your allergist. So, uh, how did we start? We got a healthcare team together, and um, Marika Rodenstein is someone from the nutrition practice that we used, mm-hmm. and I liked her because she's a dietitian and she's a nutritionist, mm-hmm. but she's also GAPS certified. Okay, and um, she was just a across all of the information that I needed to be across. Mm. You know, we weren't starting from scratch with, oh, what's this and what's that? And uh, and that just took my stress levels down enormously. And, you know, stress in these situations are high and you you kind of start to get used to it, don't you? Yeah. Well, thankfully we haven't been in this quite the same boat, but I can imagine that it would be almost like a new norm. So yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you're carrying around EpiPens, you're basically getting ready to save someone's life at any moment. Yeah. And that stress, it just has to be factored in as a norm. Yeah. Um, but I have read that um, that parents of allergic children have the same stress levels as those who, um, those who you know, ambos and yeah. those types of people, emergency of teams. So, yeah, look – you know, stress levels are something to really start to think about and try and manage if you can. And when you get time, you know, often it's just you just got to do what's in front of you, which is look after your children. And yeah. um, but yeah, so I got Marika. That helped me. We we um we then basically entered into gaps by going very very slowly, and we got um we got some of the gelatin. You know, we got Great Lakes Gelatin. Mm-hmm. That's what I knew to use. I'm not affiliated with them. I don't yeah. know, you know. Yeah. That just seemed to be what everyone else was using. Um, and we fed it to our daughter on a teaspoon, like a quarter of it oh. uh, at a time, a quarter of a teaspoon. Just the powder. Just the powder. Now, we used the hydrolyzed screen canister, which I don't actually think is GAPS approved. Okay. Um, it's the red one that's, I think, um, it's okay, it gets okay. the tick. But but the green one, I'd heard it was just lower in, um, in amines, uh-huh. which was something we knew that Stevie Rose couldn't handle. So, you know, the broths and all those things were a high, high in histamine. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I started doing was using the foods that she could tolerate. So, you know, she could have green beans, she could have chives, she could have chicken, she could have... Um, you know, some of these low salicylate, low amine foods mm-hmm. and I would cook them up in a soup using all, you know, spring onions, anything that you know you can tolerate. Yeah. And then we would broil the chicken, put it in, you know, quickly cook it and blend it up and off we went. And that's what she had initially. And I would get um, bones from the butcher, saw them, get them sawn open and give her a little bit of um, fried marrow uh-huh. by the teaspoon. We got a really good probiotic suitable for her. You know, we did a stool test analysis, understood where her gut microbes were um, and how they were placed in terms of their balance and if there was too much of one or the other. And it, we got we started off on the head of a pin of wow. um, baby biotic. Wow. Yeah, and even then she reacted. Mm. So, so where just, do you like you got that through your um, dietitian lady, the baby? That's through a naturopath. Okay, uh, 
need a prescription for that one. Okay. Um, so that was through a naturopath. And anyway, so we went slowly, slowly, slowly. Yep. And gradually, sometimes we'd miss two days of the baby biotic, but then she just seemed to, um, like her sleep seemed to improve. And I remember looking at James thinking, do you reckon it's that gelatin? You know, we're kind of incredulous, which you would be, you know. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how did yeah. something so simple help? Yeah, like what? But we had, you know, this at this point, Stevie was eating the family meal and this was grains, this was everything, but all cooked at home. But I would cook. A, a thing of porridge, yeah. soaked, sprouted, you know, traditionally prepared, blah, blah, blah. And she would just eat the whole pot and still say, I want more, I want more. Wow. She, she had this insatiable appetite. This is something you always hear, isn't it? At first they don't have that and then it kicks in. Well, this was before GAPS. And oh, I, I see. I know that and that happened as well with GAPS, but she had it for different foods. Okay. De it definitely kicked in it and it was stuff like lamb shanks. And, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, that was just like I could imagine that that food just sticking to her bones. Yeah. It just really sated her. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was how we started, very slowly, very gradually, and she just seemed to like you know. I I saw online that you um you're now tolerating a bit of butter. So, <laughs> and anyone who's followed my podcast for all this time will know that only a few months ago I was saying I can't handle ghee yet. I'm so upset. I want ghee. Yeah. So I'm so excited. <laughs> Yay! We want ghee, and we we you know how fabulous when we can have ghee. Yeah. And the same with Stevie. We were lucky she could have um she could have ghee. Oh. And, you know, there's a number of fats that she could have and she loved um, butter and avocado. And remember yeah. saying, mummy, I want butter, avocado. One, two. Oh. Uh, yeah. So she got it. And, I, could, I could pretty much live on those two as well. Yeah. <laughs> and but, what kind of, can I just ask what kind of butter? Uh, well, yeah. Well, I was like you. We were discussing offline. Yeah. You're going to, you know, you're going to start making yours. Yeah. I mean, I have made it plenty of times, but I've never made cultured butter. Yeah, well, that's what I did. Yeah. I, I, I first, um, I first made my own butter. Just made it from scratch, and I made my own ghee. I, just, I basically, um, I went by the book. You yeah. know, you just make it, make it. Now I don't. Now I just, you know, source whatever you're, I can. You're far enough try. along. You know, you can. Oh yeah, so far we're yeah. finished. We, Yay. you know, yeah, we've finished gaps. And Stevie takes sandwiches to Kinder wow. and full deal. You know, yeah, it's um, amazing. It's, it's amazing. This is a child who, you know, we gave her drops of food. That's what I'm coming back to with yeah, you. Yeah. Gee, the way we started, I realized was best for Stevie is, you know, if you give someone a whack of food, mm. um, often it can be just too, too much yeah. for the system. It's like a big, all those nutrients just flood the body and it can just cause too much um, to happen, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, this is my most unscientific explanation, <laughs> but this is what I, what I observed. Um, and so we found that if you just drop by drop yeah, um, and the avocado was just a tiny, like quarter of a teaspoon, okay. just little taste. I remember and, reading about that and thinking, oh, that frustrates me. I just want to get into it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm you so impatient. It's yummy and you just want to eat and come on. Yeah. But... 
because she was young, we were able to just, you know, sometimes I would even disguise it in another food so that, you know, she wouldn't have the misery of saying, well, me saying, well, you can't have any more than a quarter of a teaspoon. Yeah. Um, but that's how we did it. And, and it's like you kind of build it up and it's, you're training the body mm. um, to familiarise with this food again mm. and giving it space to detox if it needs to. Um, yeah. I think that's how it went for her. I mean, this is aside from the severe allergies because that's a different matter. Um, but having said that, that's once, you, once you're at a point where you realise, okay, this child is ready to start challenging egg, for example, yeah. what, what you do is you cook, you know, you cook one egg in a cake for 40 minutes, you make sure it's really cooked and then you just have a try, you put it on your lip and then you see how you go and then you have a taste and then you see how you go. Yeah. It's, it's a similar procedure. Mm. Um, so, um, that's what we did. And that's what we did with, with all of those foods, the avocado, the broccoli, the, and we just found she could tolerate it and no yeah. hives and behavior was steady. Bananas were one of those last bastions. I was thinking, oh, when can she have bananas? Oh, really? Coconut was another one. Um, but she's, yeah, she's done it and we just Amazing. slowly built up and she has, that child has two bananas a day. Yeah. You know, pancakes, you name it. Oh, that's so good. Mm, mm. So, um, yeah, basically we did our two years mm-hmm. and we gradually came off it and now we sort of, you know, we still cook from scratch. Um, we still, we're still mindful about what she eats, but I don't have to think about it, you know. Yeah. I don't have to think about it anywhere near as much. So when you say bread, what kind of bread do you usually have as a family? We have a beautiful baker down here um, and he makes sourdough bread. Mm-hmm. He uses organic flour. Um, and what, and I found this is, you know, Stevie's gift to us as well. If I eat bread with some sauerkraut beforehand mm-hmm. um, or sauerkraut with it or anything cultured, yeah. Yeah. I find I can tolerate it fine. Isn't that it's interesting? Always, yeah, yeah, yeah. My it's kids always are going to. Sorry. My kids are going to be so happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, there are, you know, I think there are many roads to healing. Yeah. Having had this experience, there are many roads to healing. Josephine, our, our second, yeah. she she's never been that severe, but she does seem to have some digestive um, issues. She's yeah. got the eczema. She's got the rattly chest. She's got different things going on. Yeah. Um, but we don't feel like um, she needs to do gaps at this mm. point. She, you know, she's been on, she's done, eaten all the GAPS food and she has sauerkraut and, you know, she has kefir smoothies in the morning and yeah. we love these foods. That's, you know, we eat this yeah. way because we actually love these foods. Yeah. They're traditional foods, they're beautiful foods, they're foods that love us back. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I think for anyone listening, um, GAPS is, is one way. It was a great way for us mm-hmm. but I I do think there will be many ways. I just don't know about them yet. Yeah. It's just, it's all comes back to having a healthy gut though, doesn't it really? Yeah, more Most and more. <laughs> the very impact that our gut microbiome is making mm. on our entire body. You know, there are so many systems we're now realizing relies on gut microbiome. And yeah. Natasha, um, it, she's, this is a, you know, as many people would know, this is a neurologist 
a neurosurgeon who became a nutritionist mm -hmm. after her son was diagnosed with autism, her nonverbal son. Mm -hmm. um, and now he's, you know, he's verbal. He's at university. Well, he was at university yeah. last, you know, last time I yeah, checked that's in. that's what I heard, yeah. Um, and he's, he's very well, happy boy. Yeah. So she's someone, that book's been around for 20 years. She's wow. someone who's been talking about the gut and microbiome for all this time. Mm. Oh, now it's the new sexy thing in science. Yeah. Which is funny, isn't it? I know 10 or 11 years ago when I first started seeing a naturopath to get help with my issues, um, he explained to me all the, you know, what food was doing to my gut and drew the little pictures of the villi and showed me what it's like when they're damaged and told me how, you know, about leaky gut and drew little diagrams for me. And it just, it took so many years for me to really take that all in and understand yeah. it. And I think that's the same with everyone. We're not, we're not, we haven't grown up learning about this stuff. We don't, no. it's new to us. And it's like, no. what? what, I don't quite get it. <laughs> yes, but that's so interesting. But what we have grown up with that our children possibly are not going to grow up with aren't, you know, grandma's chicken soups. Yeah. Um, you know, a home I cooked. I grew up with that, thankfully. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. me too. But, mm. you know, what about meat and three veg? What about Sunday roast? Yeah. This is all gaps, you yeah. know. You can That's call right. it. You can call it paleo. You can call it whatever you like. Whatever. It was tradition. Yeah. It was 50 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, this stuff what was happening then, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Yeah. And I say bring back those chops. Yeah, you know? definitely. <laughs> I agree. Um, so, yeah, I do I do really think that our gut microbiome is, you know, it, it's just one of, it's at the, it's at the forefront of everything that we may now start to understand when yeah. it comes to our health. You know, I look at Nature Journal, one of the most prestigious scientific magazines, heaps on uh, gut microbiome. Yeah. Rob Knight, have a listen. Have you heard any no. of his TED Talks? There's no. a great TED Talk okay. explaining um, gut microbiome and what they're starting to discover. You can do you can do all sorts of TED Talks now. Go, mm. you know, basically use the internet to zap into a university lecture yeah. and get that quality um, research and information. Yeah. You can be your own journalist yeah. and, you know, be, be um, discerning about the information. Yeah, and definitely. for me, I, I read, researched, um, thought about it and I made up my own mind. Yeah. And that's just, I think when it comes to your own health and your, the health of your children, yeah, we really do need to do some thinking, do some reading, um, Knowing, I think, that the medical world's on our side, mm -hmm. um, but it is up to you. It is up to the individual too. Yeah, definitely. So when you came to – why did you um, decide to do your cookbook? Can you just explain a bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, probably like you, there are lots of people going, well, what can you eat? Yeah. What do you what eat, you cardboard? Have, can you have, yeah, can you, have, can you have that? Can you have that? Can you have that? No, no, no. Okay, so, um, you know, and then we turn up to family functions and I'd feel really sad because, you know, well, you can't have that birthday cake, Steve, because it's got egg in it and it's yeah. got this and it's got, you know, stuff that she was allergic to. So fair enough. Yeah. I had to then go and go and learn how to cook a cake without eggs and yeah. I didn't know how to do any of that. Yeah, it wasn't traditional um, food. <laughs> it wasn't traditional, plus I couldn't 
I couldn't bake a cake anyway. You know, I could, <laughs> I could always slap together a nice dinner, but yeah. you know, baking and sciencey types of things, you yeah. know, just just something I hadn't done. Yeah. Um, so I had to learn how to do all that, and then I wanted I wanted to be able to um, kids who who are allergic. I wanted them to be able to have a cake at a party where everybody was going to say, oh, great, yum, not even not yeah. even think about it. Exactly. Um, or go to one of our big Greek, fat Greek, you know, events <laughs> and just put down something that I knew that all my family would go yum. Yes. Um, so anyway, we were doing this at home and I started up Mama Care, which is, you know, which was really to support families who had, you know, severe, severe allergies yeah. and I was finding, you know, yeah, wow, we've, we've, made a custard without eggs you know how do we do that <laughs> um so you know I photographed it and you know I never took photographs before yeah and every, all those photographs you see um in that book they literally a few seconds before my kids ate them you ate the food them. yeah I took them with my iPhone oh and yeah iPhones are great I, that's what I use yeah, it's, it's amazing. And so anyway, we just started to realize that there's heaps of foods you can eat that yeah. don't have eggs, don't have nuts, don't have sesame, blah, blah, blah. And um, then as, as time progressed, we could have nuts and we could have eggs. So I incorporated those as well. But being mindful that, well, you know, you, some people like you, they can't have dairy right now. So what else can you substitute easily? Yeah. And often if you can't have butter in a, in a biscuit – coconut oil just yeah. is great it, yeah. it's a great sub and um it's just a great help to feel like yeah I can do it yeah and more than anything I was exhausted I was doing a lot of cooking like a yeah. lot of people who are listening to you now are and um I wanted a book that I could hand to my relatives and say please help me can you please just cook me a chicken stock can you please just yeah make us a cake or can you can you make this chicken casserole yeah. and you know my family wanted to help but they yeah. didn't know how and also you find when people invite you over well, they want to invite you over for dinner but they don't know what to make and so they're scared to absolutely absolutely mm. and I didn't want to feel like the dork with the weird food yeah. either and this um you know this book You'll, you'll, as you'll see, you turn the pages, that's not weird food. That's yeah, beautiful, beautiful food. And anyone, that's accessible to anyone. Yep. And that's the other thing about this book. It was just a discovery of home cooking. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to be doing gaps to enjoy this book. Yeah. Um, you know, it is, I call myself now a foundational food advocate. Well, it's good. just foundational food. It's, yep. to, it's, it's the basis of a lot of traditions yep. and it can be the basis for your health. Yep. And you can add in whatever else you can have, obviously. Whatever else. And I yeah. add everything else in it too now. Like, you yeah, know, now like you a can. I have my sauerkraut with it on the side. Today, you know, the whole family had a brekkie. We had sourdough toast with an egg on top, sauerkraut on the side, bit of goat's cheese, avocado. Beautiful. Yeah. So I do get this question a lot from people and I'd love to hear your take on it, um, mm. how you do – when you were doing gaps, if you can think back, how you did tackle important events like weddings and parties um, when you were on the early stages, uh, you were saying you pretty much made things that your family could eat and yeah, them along. basically, yeah, and and you know, I I was someone who felt really nervous about mm. that. I was a bit shy and. <clears throat> 
Um, in the end, because we had severe allergies, most people understood, yeah. In our yeah, and most people in our boat also just just know that you have to make it yourself so yeah. that you it's easy to make mistakes even the most well-meaning person yeah. um, can just put an allergen in there accidentally not realizing yeah, of so I used to just I was just used to making enough for everyone else and I would have people to us um, you know if there was an event I would a family event particularly mm-hmm. I'd say can we have it at our house and I'll cook yeah. um, and then as time went on um, I would say, Mum, could you make, can you make the X, Y, Z? And yeah. and then I would start to get, you know, family members who love us yeah. and love the kids. Um, I'd give them a recipe from my blog and they would make it and we'd share it together. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, those initial, initial stages of, you know, intro phases one, two, mm. three, we spent a lot of time at home, yeah. you know. and that's what I found. <laughs> Thank you. We didn't start intro until I knew we'd be home at least a month and no weddings, no parties, no camps, no whatever. Yeah. yeah. And when Stevie had a birthday, I remember she was, I don't know, she was doing phase two or something. But, you know, we did break um, that intro phase for that occasion just slightly where we gave, you know, we gave, I made panna cottas with some berries on top. I made a jelly cake. Um made out of herbal teas yep. and I put a heap of blueberries, strawberries and things in the middle of it. I made like a bunt shape. Mm. Um, and, Gorgeous. you know, she was she was turning three. So <laughs> she thought that was great. And all the other kids thought it was great too, yeah. you know. You'd be surprised. Well, what kids um, don't like jelly? <laughs> yeah, what kids don't like jelly? Raw honey can solve a lot of problems. Yes. <laughs> and I think, yeah, if if um, you can manage it, and some kids just aren't there, yeah. but we were able, we're at a point where we could just do a few berries and, you know, she yeah. just didn't miss out on that time. That's good. Um, and then other occasions like weddings, I actually can't even remember, but I, I would suspect that in those early phases I just would have said we're just going to, we're going to stay home. Yeah. And um, at least with a wedding, if you've got little kids, you probably won't might not go to the reception anyway. <laughs> yeah, and we did a lot of thermoses. Yeah, um, you know, we pack. We always packed our food, and at first, I remember feeling because I was such a Melbourne cafe girl. I'm now Aww. a real a little country town now, <laughs> so it's. Been, but um, you know, at first, I was feeling really sad that yeah. I got a go to cafes with my kids I have to cook everything yeah. myself oh my gosh you know yeah. this is pretty full-on but I I've spent a lot of time in India and Indonesia and all sorts of places third world yeah. types of areas and I thought you know what how many millions of people actually take a tiffin or a something with them wherever they go yeah. not it's an absolute privilege yep. to be able to you know look at a menu and go what will I what do I feel like today yeah. you know and it's a privilege that I, I appreciate I love and I, I now have it back but I also thought you know there are Nicole there are worse problems yeah. in the world we're going to fall in love with cooking at home and eating at home and being pretty down to earth mm-hmm. you know simple yeah. people you know, one thing that I've really noticed, both with myself and the kids, is appreciating the really simple foods now. And yeah. 
I was just reading a book recently about a lady who decided to um, sort of rebel against the excess in our Western society and um, she decided to really simplify her life in seven different areas and one of them was in food. That was Mm. the first area she tackled and so she decided to go back, you know, to look at other cultures, third world cultures where they don't have hardly anything to eat Mm. and basically she ate like them for Mm. a month Mm. and she ate, you know, like sweet potato, chicken, spinach, um, you know, really based seven basic foods. And she said, you know, it gives you such an appreciation for um, she, she became much healthier. She also um, saved money. Mm. Um, she found that she started to appreciate the flavor of real food which she hadn't yeah. before because she always smothered everything in sauces. Yes. Um, and just realising, you know what, there's a lot of people that eat not even that good. Yeah. And yeah. we, we um, complain about gaps. I mean, for goodness sakes, there's heaps mm. you can eat. <laughs> uh, there's an abundance in gaps. Yeah. But, yeah, I really like that point, Joe. Yeah. You know, just the appreciation was yeah. and gratitude yes. were things that, you know, the diet is one thing. Yeah. You know, when it comes to healing, I realized gaps, you know, it took us 90% of the way, I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah. But there was this other 10%. And I do, looking back and also moving forward, mm-hmm. I do realize that part of it and why gaps worked for Stevie, um, I think is because we were able to really start to change our perceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talk about the our gut microbiome, but I reckon there's a microbiome of the home as well. You know, yes. there's, there's, you know, there's this, um, like we were talking about stress before, mm-hmm. you know, how stressful it is to, to have a child that has extra needs um, and what it does to you, you know, when you've, you've, dealt with them in the middle of the night and all that's you know the night terrors and how terrified you are I had to yeah the exhaustion you know you've had the baby you've done the cesarean you've dealt with infection you've you know many of us have this story and you know and parenting full stop even if it goes yeah if it goes straight (laughs) down the line and it's all straightforward it is tiring Um, but I've now had to really look at my own recovery and my mm-hmm. own um, stress management and stress levels. And um, I think what happened when we simplified our life like that woman da- did, yeah. like you're doing, um, like we did, you know, you start gardening and you start just yeah. chopping the veggies yeah. and stirring yes. the pot and mm-hmm. you don't go out as much. Yes. Um, there's just something that happens in the home that is good for you and good for your kids. Yeah, Yeah. it changes the way you think and you start to think about, well, what really is important? Exactly. Your perspective really shifts. And then when Stevie started to get better, it was like we cycled into each other, you know. When she, I could see her improve and she started to sleep, then we started to sleep. Then I wasn't so exhausted and Mm -hmm. so then... I wasn't so stressed and then she didn't feel my stress and then she stopped kind of having meltdowns in the day and, you know, every time she could have just that tiny bit of avocado, like I made sure that I did a big kind of gratitude moment. Yeah. Um, And there's something in that. I can't explain it. But there was 
something in that for us mm-hmm. in that wow okay thank you thank you for this beautiful food yeah. um you know and some traditionally we're talking about 50 years ago mm-hmm. what people were doing and one of the things that they would do is they would pray you know yeah. they'd say grace yeah. over their food and you know yeah. I've, we I've, still do do you okay yeah. well well you know some people still do I don't I you know I never got into that but what I do do now is I try to say thank you I do yeah. a bit of a what we call um thank you ritual mm-hmm. and I say to the girls who wants to say thanks um for this meal this time and we take it in turns and we basically look at the plate and you know it sounds a bit basic but we say thank you chicken thank you avocado thank you you know thank you sky thank you rain thank you earth thank you elements for providing all of this for us this food is perfect for us and for our bodies you know and there's just something about once you've had to deal with you know, oh my God, this this food can kill you. This mm-hmm. egg can kill you. You kind of have to retrain yourself mm. and start to say this food is perfect. You know, obviously only when it is. <laughs> <laughs> no point, no amount of saying it's thank you. Thanking it, Macca's burger. <laughs> yeah, when you're severely allergic to it. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's something about every bit of healing that Stevie experienced I was grateful for and you notice all those wins try to notice all those wins and the other thing um I think was key was to start to you know you you can keep a wellness diary or a happiness diary um or even if it's just a spoken diary you know Mm. spoken word diary at night we we'd get into bed and I'd lie between the girls and I'd say you know, how'd your day go? What was the best thing that happened to you today? And a lot of people do this. And I think it's mm-hmm. just such a w- worthwhile exercise when it comes to your digestive health. You yeah. know, you wouldn't get connected, but it I is. believe it is. It is, definitely. Stress is a really big thing with digestive health. Stress and cortisol levels do affect digestive health. Yeah. And also sleep patterns. And so, you know, when you're you're calming down, settling down at night, having that lovely time together with the lights off kids open up the kids just really seem to open up once the lights go off there's that little window where you can often peek into their souls I find yeah even teenagers my 16 18 year olds are the same at night you know it's almost like they're not as shy to talk to you if the lights are off yeah sure and And it's a beautiful time to open up to each other Absolutely, absolutely. And initially, you know, God, bedtime was such a nightmare for yeah. us and it would take Stevie an hour, you know, an hour to just, she just couldn't, she'd say, Mummy, I can't close my eyes, you know. Oh, darling. Uh, yeah, but now, you know, and it was gradual, but yeah. there's something about that. It, it did feel like a real kind of hike, mm-hmm. um, but we got there and got there. just, tried, yeah, we tried to just, you know, if you can look out at those vistas every now and then and really appreciate where you are. And mm. and at the time, I didn't know what Stevie was teaching us, you know. I didn't realise that, man, this kid's a genius, you know. <laughs> look at her. Look at, look at what she's teaching our family, yeah. how to, you know, how to empower themselves at home, how to, you know, how to 
how to be traditional, how to have longevity in, in your homes, what she's given to James and I, how to look look at our garden and see the herbs in there. And, you know, I started to learn all about herbal medicine and what various herbs um, can do, yeah. what they contribute to your lives, um, even just, you know, just chopping up an onion and all that, you know, you'll see the apples on the front cover of yeah. my book. Just wow! Look at look at nature. It is a little star inside. Quite (laughs) miraculous. Yeah, it's very beautiful. So, um, yeah, the other thing that um, came up for us were these um, foot baths. Yes, and um, you know, again, for me, just starting to settle into she's going to be all right. This is in hand, and um, we're just going to do this. And deal with stuff as it comes up. Mm-hmm. And part of her being able to sleep was we started to give her these magnesium foot bars, magnesium yeah. flakes. We just do, you know, we started off with a quarter of a cup and we'd get a bucket and the girls would have a bucket each and they'd put their feet in there, just watch mm-hmm. telly, whatever. And I started to put my feet in there too. And wow, everybody started sleeping so much better, wow. you know, through the night type of stuff, which wow. is, you know, from where we came from. That was amazing. It's amazing. It's so life-changing. Mm. Um, you know, me going to bed early when I can yeah. it helps a lot. And, you know, initially when Stevie was really, um, really unwell, I'd heard, you know, people say, well, can you, you know, can you try meditation? I, You know, I spent – spent two decades meditating that's not a problem but I could not not find time to do anything for myself during those initial years of Stevie's life and I you know I felt like you know you feel like killing someone when they say can you just meditate (laughs) because it's like yeah that's what I'm dealing with, you know, to realise it just I'm lucky if I can eat dinner I'm lucky if I can go go to the toilet toilet. (laughs) So yeah. I think meditation is amazing, um, but there's also uh, something about a lot in just your best is good enough mm-hmm. and what you can do right there for yourself and your children is fantastic. Everyone, everyone, no matter whether they're doing gaps or, you know, anything else, m- most parents are doing their absolute best. Yeah, that's right. And we just learn as we go. Mm, absolutely. Just kind of accepting that it's good enough. Yeah. Well, we might finish up there because I think we've gone about an hour and thank you so much. But I think we'll have a second um, podcast with Nicole because she still has a lot more we were going to talk about. Right, Nicole? <laughs> oh, God, I could yabber on for... <laughs> we'll, try to, we'll try to fit all into one more. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Joe. It was That's wonderful okay. talking to you. No, Thanks, good. everyone. Thank you for all the time you, you took for us. And um, if anyone would like to know more about Nicole, um, can you just share your websites and Facebook and all that kind of thing for everyone? Sure. Thanks, Joe. The website is um, mamacare.com, so it's www.mamacare.com 
M-U-M-M-A-C-A-R-E and you can click on a link uh, if you want to have a look at the Alchemy Cookbook or find me on Facebook under Mama Care and Instagram. Love to have you along. And um, the Alchemy Cookbook, where can they get that from? Just through yeah. your site? Um, through my site or they can um, purchase it via Amazon. If you search online, there's a, um, a, few, <clears throat> a few places that are selling it, but also locally if you're, if you're Victorian, um, there's uh, the bookshop, Organic Larder, um, and I'll, I'll be listing various bookshops as I go along okay, on my website. Well, I'll put a couple of links under this um podcast on the wellness couch so if you're having a look at the wellness couch page you'll be able to click on the links there um yeah and if you have any questions for nicole pop over to her facebook page and ask i'm sure she'd be happy to answer them absolutely and we um hope you'll check out some more of a quirky journey podcast there's lots more we're up to about 30 something now <laughs> 30 something that's pretty good um and the website is www.thewellnesscouch.com backslash a quirky journey and we'd love you to subscribe on itunes so have a look and um be inspired and if you have questions that you would like answered on a podcast please let me know on my facebook page that would be great a quirky cooking sorry quirky cooking not a quickly um and just keep working on those small changes like nicole said you just do what you can and you learn as you go all right we'll be back to share more of our journeys with you next week thanks for listening everyone bye this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash the wellness couch subscribe to each show on itunes and check us out on twitter the wellness couch streaming wellness into your lives Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.